John 13, verses 31 to 38 says this. When he had gone out, Jesus said, Now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify himself and glorify him at once. Little children, yet a little while I am with you. You will seek me, and just as I said to the Jews, so now I say also to you, where I am going, you cannot come. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? And Jesus answered, Where I am going, you cannot follow me, but you will follow afterward. And Peter said to him, Lord, why can I not follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. And Jesus answered, Will you lay down your life for me? Truly, truly, I say to you, the rooster will not crow till you have denied me three times. Let's pray. God, we're grateful for your word and we're grateful for the opportunity to um, have it spoken over our lives and grateful for your spirit and it's um, his, his direction to our hearts and his encouraging of them through your scripture. And we pray, Lord, that as, as these words are proclaimed, that um, you will be honored and glorified, that you would encourage us uh, to love one another as you have loved us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I really struggled with this uh, passage. I actually planned, I did plan to do this passage two weeks in a row. Um, But anyway, I feel like I might might have needed the two weeks to to get through it, to be honest. Um, I I had a a great plan that I was going to do it in a very uh, succinct and and, and a different way than it has come out. But thus it's come out, and and here we are, uh, John 13, 31 to 38, part two the disciples' commandment. Um, <clears throat> last week we talked about how for the believer, uh, there is this new commandment that we've been given as disciples to love one another, and that a big piece of that is r- walking as a disciple. And one of the things we explored in that was that as a disciple, as a follower of Jesus, you really go through the same experience like over and over and over again, the, the same one that you had at conversion. When you realized I'm a sinner and I need a savior. You, you repent, right? You, you recognize that there's something wrong with your life and you repent. You say, I, I, I can't do this on my own. And then you believe, right? You believe on what God did through Jesus the Son, that he paid the price for your sin, that the, the debt you owed to God, Jesus took on on your behalf. And, and this cycle of Repenting and believing actually doesn't stop. Like, as you continue to grow in your Christian life, you will come to places where, you know, those uh, old axes and things and uh, weeds and stuff in your life, they didn't just, like, disappear overnight. (laughs) You still struggle with the sin nature that is there. You still struggle to uh, be... Uh, be right with the relationships that God has brought into your life. And so repentance and belief in who God has made you to be is a continual aspect of us following after God and becoming more like his son. And so this aspect of repent and believe is something we continue to go through. We continue to see, man, I need a savior. I, I think really the, the mark of a disciple that has been a disciple for a long, long time is the recognition that I need him more now than I ever did. 
Yeah, maybe the, the big sins, right? The big visual sins of the past might have passed away. Let, let, let's hope that those things are being taken away as you grow. But more and more you realize that it's not just the big visual sins that were a problem. It's the heart. And that heart of uh, brokenness like, is continuing to be refining. Catch yourself at times saying, wow, that, uh, that was a really bad thought that is in me somehow. <laughs> I mean, have you ever ran into someone that you caught yourself realizing that you have very ill will toward them, sort of unexpectedly, rise up in you? Where did that come from? <laughs> it happened to me this week. I'm not going to share about it. Um, I've, <laughs> I've shared about some in the past. I'm not going to share about this. Um, but it did. I'm not immune to that at all. I caught myself this week, man, there was a darkness towards someone in my life. And it wasn't Christy, it wasn't my family, okay, it was something else. And anyway, you know, that's there. And when that, it caught me off guard really heavily. And I was like, Lord, all right, like, remove that. That's not who you made me to be. Like, I needed a moment of repent. Like, I don't have those thoughts towards this person, I believe I believe that this person is made in God's image, right? Created by God. And, and if I believe that about them, then I'll repent of uh, those thoughts that are welling up inside me about that person, right? Repent and believe is a constant cycle that we'll see as disciples. As we follow Jesus, he'll continue to refine us and continue to show us ways in which we need him more and more. And not only that, just that we need him, but like how much he paid for us <laughs> before we even did it. And that's the thing that stuck out. One of the things that stuck out about this passage is that fact. And I was trying to put my finger on it precisely this week, but couldn't do a real great job of it notes wise. But Peter, right? Like in this passage, Jesus says, love one another as I have loved you. Peter's like, hey, I'll go where you're going. Like I'll give my life for you. And Jesus is like, yeah, not really right now you won't. <laughs> Isn't that an odd, it's an odd sequence. Jesus says, yeah, you're going to give your life for me, but not right now. In fact, right now what's going to happen is like the next event in your life is you denying me three times. <laughs> Jesus love him any less? No. Jesus loved him greatly. Jesus loved him before he denied him three times. And in fact, as we look at Peter's life going forward, turns out like Peter and someone we've read a little bit about in some of our other series, Paul, right? Peter and Paul didn't exactly get along. <laughs> there was a lot of strife and, and brokenness between them about, you know, interpretations of scripture. And Peter had to have some of that worked out of him really at the admonition of Paul saying, hey man, you got to let go of some of this old stuff. So Jesus loved Peter, loved him greatly, used him mightily to shape the church and to found it. I mean, people in Peter's life were being healed by his shadow in Acts. As he walked by, his shadow was healing people. I mean, when he preached at Pentecost, 3,000 people came to know Jesus. So like, it's not that he wasn't in the right place. It's just that he need, continues to need refining. And the same is true for us. So, that's what we looked at last week was this idea of repent and believe and that God loves us 
before that all even happens, so much so that he gave his son to die for us. And today what we see is a little more on that commandment that he gives to the disciples. A new commandment I give you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. And so I want to concentrate on this. I think this one statement says what I want to say, just in case I get lost in the remainder of it here. I'm going to say it right now. Uh, God loves me so much that he gave me you. God loves me so much that he gave me you. You guys. He gave me you. And, you know, he gave me to you. God loves me so much, he gave me you. See, the thing is, the commandment here is that we love one another as much as Jesus loved us. And so, if we're going to do that, then there, you can't, like, do that in a vacuum. And that's the beauty of the Christian faith. One of the beauties of it is that it doesn't work in a vacuum. <laughs> It's completely relational. Like, there is a call unto one another. Some of us are more comfortable with that than others. Some of us introverts, one really wish that Christianity was just a vacuum. You could just stay there and be there alone for the rest of life. <laughs> Not touched by anybody. The extroverts of us, we love the party. We're here, to, we're all about, we're, we're totally resonating with this. We're like, yes. But for all, it's a command that we love one another. There's a relational aspect to our faith. And there's really three, uh, three components of this. In our faith, there's a relationship with God. There's a relationship with our fellow believers, the church. And there's a relationship also with those who are in the world, those who aren't part of church, those who don't claim Jesus as their Savior. There's three realms of relationship that as disciples we will interact with if we're following Jesus. And uh, God is faithful and he's given us tools and, and one another to help us in all of these relationships. Relationships with the world? Listen, I mean, some of us know each other's junk and, you know, we get to share that with one another and you know what? We're going to help each other have the right attitude to someone who might be in the world who might not have a great attitude that you might hate, <laughs> right? We help each other with that. We help each other say that, you know, how can we think about how to love them? How can we think about how to pray for them together? How can we, you know, have a right attitude in that situation? We have these relationships that, that God has given us tools for which to steward them. God's given us tools to grow uh, relationally. First, again, is the repent and believe, right? Not only do we do that, uh, you know, ourselves internally with the Lord, that's operating all the time, but you know what? It operates in community as well. Most of the time, when you need to repent, there's another person involved, in fact. There's actually a 
person you have to go and reconcile with. Maybe someone that you have offended that you have to bring reconciliation in. Repent and believe is uh, a part of that. Another tool that God has given us is rest and work. Two seasons of, uh, of our week and of our lives are this time of being able to rest in God and rest in His truths and, and just enjoy His presence. Go into nature and enjoy Him for who He is. He's also given us work. He's given us the ability to be fruitful and to grow. He's given us each other to learn from. He's given us people to, to watch how to, how to uh, follow the Lord, to watch how to study the scriptures, to, to watch how to memorize them, to watch how to um, share the love of Christ relationally. We can watch one another doing that. And then we can help each other do that together. And then we, as we learn from other people, can start to do that ourselves and, and someone else can watch us. And it's a cycle, right? Of us learning from each other how we apply the love, the sacrificial love of Jesus to the church and to the world and, and even un, unto God. He's given us tools, these tools to grow relationally. He's made us each differently in that respect. He, he didn't, you know, Jesus could have built the church himself. Like he, he could have done the whole thing, right? But when he began the, the church, when, when the Spirit came to the disciples as they were waiting, he came to individuals, a whole bunch of individuals, a whole bunch of different gifts. In uh, Ephesians 4.11, this is referred to as... Um, well, the, the spiritual giftings, the, the fivefold ministry is what it's often referred to as. And there's five kind of typical ways in which each of us are equipped and, and sort of um, created to serve one another and to serve our world. And um, in Ephesians 4.11, it says he, he gave some to be apostles. Those are ones who are sent to do new ministry and to set up new ministry. He gave some to be prophets. This is the person in your life that's going to say what is on their heart and what the Lord has put on their heart, maybe very bluntly, but very profoundly. Um, he gave some to be evangelists. Uh, these are those who are just very, comes very natural to them to just share the fact that Jesus died for us, died for our sins. And um, you'll run into this person, you'll just, the, it's just on them all the time. It's on the tip of their lips all the time that the, the love of God is so good that he sent his son and somehow they're able to just say that in any, <laughs> any situation. He gave somebody to be pastors. Uh, some of us to, to care for each other's needs and to hear and listen and, and, uh, and, and help us reflect on what we're going through. He gave some to be teachers. Some to say this is kind of how things operate. And this is the structure with, under which we, we walk. And, and these are the things that the Bible is saying. 
So God gave us each giftings in which we could grow together and, and our relationships with each other and the world and our fellow believers could grow. Repentance, belief, rest, and work, uh, leadership through, through watching one another, gifting each of us specifically, and um, prayer. I gave us a model for prayer, right? When the disciples came to Jesus, they said, ask how we ought to pray. And he said, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. You know, there's six components of that prayer that are, that are very good for us. Recognizing who God is and recognizing who we are. Recognizing the need for forgiveness and the need to extend it. Recognizing the, the desire that God would have the kingdom come down. Recognizing that, that God would uh, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. He gave us a framework for praying. God has equipped us each uniquely to fulfill this command. It doesn't look the same for each and every one of us. Each and every one of us is different. But the command is the same. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples. One of the reasons I was uh, a little nervous about sharing some of these tools, and there's actually like a, you know, I showed one of the shapes last week, the circle. You remember my circle image? That? Okay, so there's lots of shapes that describe some of the things that I've just described to you. And I was a little bit apprehensive about, you know, sharing all these shapes and whatever, because the, the reason is because sometimes when we put like too much wordage and, and symbolism in, in front of things, it gets sort of religious, you know, like, okay, that's how it works. You know, we got a fo- am I following the square today? Have I followed the circle yet? You know, and we can get kind of like make it an image in a wrong way. You know, we can sort of serve it. Um, and so I didn't want to bring all the pictures up today. But just to say, like, there are things operating in our faith that are good for us. And it's good for us to recognize that they're there because they help us to love one another. Right? The need for repentance, it's there. We've got to recognize it and be, be ready to walk through it. The need for rest, it's there. I guarantee you, if you lean too heavily into work, you're going to burn out. And you lead too heavily into rest, you're going to want for more. Leadership, we learn from each other all the time, right? We're constantly learning from each other. Giftings. Each of us is made uniquely, given a particular gift in which to serve one another. And again, with giftings, I'll say this as a side. Um, I like the way this one uh, author described it. It's like sometimes we get hung up on, well, am I an apostle or am I a prophet? <laughs> am I an evangelist? I must be an evangelist. No, maybe I'm a teacher. Like, and we think there's just one thing, and that's me, and that's all I do. I'm just out there, you know, banging people over the head with the Bible and evangelizing them. That's my deal. I'm just evangelist. And I, I, it's not really that way. It's more like 
your tendency might be there, your strength might be there, but I think your calling is often in, in many of the areas. You might be a, a strong pastor type, a person that cares for the needs of others and is there to lend a hand and be willing to help. But you might also be a teacher in some frameworks as well. So don't think of it as like very static. Think of it as dynamic, right? We each have some sort of role in those things. Prayer, this beautiful thing that God has given us to grow relationally, not just with him, but also with our fellow believers and also with those that are in the world. When we go to the Father in prayer and we've had a heart that isn't right towards somebody, <laughs> gets exposed pretty quickly. I mean, you know, if you bend your knee to God and you've just had a moment of hatred toward an individual in your heart, it's pretty laid bare when you're right there praying to God. See, Father in heaven, yeah, I get it. <laughs> right? Because how do you go to God the Father who sacrificed his son on a cross for your sins and carry bitterness and hatred toward any one of his creations? It's very difficult to do that. And, you know, sometimes when it's hard to let go of that, we got to say, Lord, I... Help me let this go. Help me let it go. But you know immediately when you go to God in prayer, you know what's right very quickly. <clears throat> Finally, uh, another tool that we have is relational evangelism. Often we think that an evangelist is, you know, that guy. He's the person giving out tracts. He's the person, you know, uh, on the corner street preaching or whatever it is. And most often, 90% of the time, that's not true. 90% of the time, it's you sitting next to someone at work or on the bus or at the store or whatever, and God opening an opportunity for you relationally and very naturally, not in some weird way, just in the course of life where you get to share the love of God with someone next to you. Yeah, did they, did they not, they didn't, maybe you didn't give them a track that they can take home and like maybe read through or discard in the garbage on their way out the store, you know. But you have the opportunity to touch lives every single day. And that is just as much of an evangelist perspective and, and of evangelism as being on the corner handing out a, handing out a street card. I'll give you one caveat. I'm totally okay with people handing out tracts if that's what the Lord told them to do because I know people who have been changed by them. And so I'm not like, never hand out a tract. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm not attacking the tract. Uh, but too often we use the tract as an excuse for not doing the real evangelism that happens most of the time, which is the day-to-day in and out of our lives, loving on people that God has brought around us. That's what God has called us to. So a disciple's commandment is this. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. They're going to preach it from back there. <laughs> The one thing I want you guys to know as we wrap up is this. God loves me 
so much that he gave me you. And these tools he's given us, these opportunities to remember repentance in our lives, opportunities to remember that God has placed us where we are for a reason, opportunities to remember that God has gifted us specifically for one another, opportunities that we may not know at all, we might need to learn from someone, are there. And God has placed us together that we might love one another. He loves me so much. He gave me you. Let's pray. God, we're so grateful for church. We're thankful for the way in which you decided to change the world was through a community of people trying to figure out life, trying to love one another. God, we're grateful that um, you don't require us to be perfect before we start that journey, that we can go on that journey together. And we're thankful for uh, the ways in which you've given us to encourage each other, namely with your word, with your spirit guiding us, with the giftings you've given us, with the city you've placed us in. God, we're so grateful for the love you had for us and we pray that we would have the same love for one another. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.